0: Jesus precious and wonderful and holy name. All God's people said together. Amen. Amen. We are so grateful today to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit and to have you worshiping with us in this place at First Church. If you're new with us this morning, my name is Pastor Andrew. I am the lead pastor here at First Church, and we thank you for sharing in life together with us. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And as you are turning there, we want to welcome you to a brand new sermon series called Let Go. If you would, everyone, let's say it together, Let Go. If you were with us last month, we just finished up a sermon series called Strongholds, in which the Holy Spirit worked in such an incredible way to set so many of us free from strongholds in our lives, to release us from things that have plagued us for much too long. Well, this upcoming month, what we're going to do, having been released by God, we're going to release some things back to God. We're going to let go of four areas of our lives that too many of us have held on to for much too long. What are we going to let go? Well, week one this week, praise God, you guys are so excited for this, we are going to let go of my need for control. Say that with me. My need for control. In week two, we're going to let go of my root of bitterness. Say it with me. My root of bitterness. Then week three, we're going to let go of my struggle with shame. Say it together. My struggle with shame. And then in week four, powerful message, we're going to let go of my right to myself. My right to myself. What are we going to let go? We're going to let go of my need for control. My root of bitterness, my struggle with shame, and my right to myself. Our key verse for the series is found in Hebrews chapter 12, right there beginning in verse 1. And this is what the author says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, let us, say it with me, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that does what? So easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. What's the author say? He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such this this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Let us throw off. The word throw off there is the Greek word apotithemi. Say that with me. Apotithemi. You guys are Greek scholars. That's fantastic. You're bilingual now. It's awesome. So, uh, apotithomy. And what that word literally means is it literally means to take off, to set aside, to lay away, to let go. To let go. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders because you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses You have such a great cloud of witnesses. You have a legacy. You have a destiny. You have a mission. You have a purpose as a people of God. So throw it off. Let those things go that you can run with perseverance, the race that God has marked out for us. Our key thought for the series, if you are taking notes, sharing on social media, uh, make sure you write this down. Simply this, Scripture teaches us that what I'm willing to release determines what I'm able to receive. What I'm willing to release determines what I'm able to receive. And by the grace of God, so many of us over these next four weeks are going to release some incredible things back into the hands of God, and he's going to set us free in some powerful ways. Are you guys ready? Praise. Oh, that was pretty weak. Let's try that again. Are you guys Ready? Amen, praise God. How many people are excited today to start with control? Are we really excited, really excited. A Couple of you guys, very good. So complete honesty, we're friends here, right? So let's see a show of hands. How many of you would say, in all honesty, you would say there are some areas of my life that I like to be in control, right? There's some areas of my life I like to be in control. Very good, very good. All right, hands up. How many of you would take the next step, complete honesty, and you would say, when it comes to my life, I like to be in control of all areas of my life, right? <laughs> my wife raised both hands. Praise be to God. Uh, all areas <laughs> of my life. Very good. And I know there's more of you than just raise your hands uh, because you're in complete control, right? And you are not raising your hand. You're not playing that dumb game with the pastor because you are in control, right? And I know you because I am one of you and you are in complete control, So this starts at an early age, in case you're wondering. This is not something that you got in your adult life. Uh, I learned this a couple weeks ago with my son Lucas, the three-year-old son Lucas, and we are trying to teach Lucas to put on his own clothes, um, which is just a fascinating experience in and of itself. And so we've been working with the shorts, right? And so it is tag in the back, it is pockets in the front, right? Tag in the back and pockets in the front. So not that hard unless you're three, and so Lucas is there, and literally five times in a row, he puts his shorts on backwards. Five times in a row, pockets in the front, and pockets in the back, tag in the front, right? And say, Lucas, no, it's the other way around, and there's great weeping, and wailing, and gnashing of teeth, and that was just me and Simone, right? And then <laughs> he, got, he got Lucas on top of it, and so finally, my wife has mercy, and she goes over to him, and, and she, she takes his shorts off, and turns them around, and puts them on, and she says, there, Lucas, that's how you do it. Tag in the back and pockets in the front. And Lucas looked down, and he said, thanks, Mom. He said, but when I'm 20, I won't need you anymore. (laughs) When I'm 20, I won't need you. And some of you guys are parents of 20-year-olds, and you're like, yeah, right. (laughs) If only that were true, right? It only gets worse, right? When I'm 20, I won't need you anymore. See, we love to be in control, right? We love to be independent. We love to take control of our lives. And so you say, well, how do I know if I am struggling with control? Here's the simplest definition that I could come up with. If you're taking notes, jot this down. How do we know if we're struggling with control? Control is trusting in my plans more than God's promises. Really simple. Control is trusting in my plans more than in God's promises. How do we do this? I think there's two key areas. If you're taking notes, jot these down. The first is that many of us try to control our situations. We try to control the situations around us, right? So I don't know how this plays out for you. Uh, Maybe for you it's something at work. And at home, you're the most laid-back, relaxed type of guy or gal out there. But at work, you are a control nut, right? Like everything has to be in line. Everything has to be perfect. Your coworkers are terrified of you because they know that everything isn't perfect. Then you are going to be upset. Maybe for you, it's the other way around. Maybe at work, you're the funny guy. You're the laid-back guy. You're the, you're the hang out and buy everybodys lunch guy, right? But at home, you are the queen of your castle, Right? You are the king of your domain, and your subjects, i.e. children, tremble in fear, right? Whenever you walk through the door, if things aren't exactly in control. For Simone and I, we each have our own things in our house that we love to be in control uh, of. Uh, For my wife, it is the floor's. Um, She loves to have clean floors, and a lot of you women would say that makes perfect sense, right? Love to have the floors clean, because it really is, you know, you're stepping on apple juice, that has been there four days, yeah, kind of sticky, right? It's not very good. So she loves to have the floors clean, and she has this phrase like cleanliness is next to godliness, right? Any of you men ever, your wives ever use that on you? Yeah, uh, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, that's not actually in the Bible, that's not actually scriptural. And over here, I just set some guy free. Some guy just, <laughs> he just been, has been set free from the stronghold of cleanliness is next to godliness in his life. Not actually in the Bible, right? But my wife loves clean floors. For me, I could care less about the floors. I am a laundry control nut. Absolutely, laundry is so very important to me, right? And so I'm actually, I'm, I'm working on writing a book. It's the Field Strategy Guide to Laundry Development, and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, $9.99 right out front. We'd we'll love to sell them to you. They're fantastic, fantastic things, right? So you've got all these rules when it comes to laundry, right? And in my house, I have to do the laundry. So you've got the whites, and you've got the colors, and then you've got the towels, and then you've got the sheets, and then you've got the baby's clothes, right? And they all have to be in individual piles on the floor because if they touch each other, they might cross over in the laundry thing. And then you messed up the whole load and you got to do it all over again, right? It's so true. And then you've got different types of detergent. You've got baby detergent. And then you've got adult detergent. And the adult detergent, you've got ocean breeze and mountain fresh and <laughs> tropical storm or whatever it is, right? You've got, you've got all sorts of different things. You've got dryer sheets and you've got lint traps you got to clean out. It's fantastic, But the worst is then after you get the laundry out and you fold it up, it has to go in its exact place in the drawer. Amen? Anybody with me, right? Got to go. So you got socks in the top drawer, you got underwear and undershirts on the second drawer, pants in the third drawer, t-shirts in the fourth drawer, and shorts in the fifth drawer to the glory of God. Yes? So I always know when my wife would like me to do the laundry more often because what she'll do is she'll fold the laundry and she'll put it in the wrong drawers, right? And so for weeks, I've got socks in the fourth drawer. I've got shirts in the first drawer. I can't find my underwear, which is not good for me and certainly not good for you, right? And so I'll find it like in the fifth drawer tucked back in the corner somewhere, right? And you're saying to yourself, our pastor is a laundry control nut. And yes, I am. Yes, I am. Thanks be to God. You can pray for my wife because there are so many jewels in her crown for putting up with me over the course of these last few years. All of us have our things, our situations that we try to control. But it's not just situations, is it? Because secondly, we also like to control people. Control people, right? We control our situations and we control our people, if the people around us would just do what they're supposed to be doing, my life would be great, right? If everyone else,, maybe as the saying goes, life would be great if it weren't for people, right? And so these people getting in our way. So there's a story about a guy like this in uh, the Bible, Exodus chapter uh, 2, uh, verse 11. Uh, his name is Moses, and Moses decided that he was going to control some people. He's going to control some situations. Now, if you don't know the story, Moses is a Hebrew, but he was born in Egypt. And at that time, the Hebrews were slaves to the Egypt to the Egyptians, and he was raised by the Egyptians to be kind of a, a prince, kind of a son of Pharaoh. And so God knew that Moses had, a, uh, Moses knew that God had this special call on his life to help his people. He just wasn't sure how it was going to take place. So Moses is around 40 years old or so it now and he's ready to start taking charge. He's tired of waiting for God's timing. So look what he does beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, "One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people." So, looking this way and that and seeing no one, what did Moses do? He killed the Egyptian, and he hid him in the sand. In case you're wondering, this is the first mafia sighting in Scripture, right? Hey, if Moses wasn't Hebrew, he been a great Italian godfather. So he killed that guy, buried him in the sand. That guy is gone, right? So the next day, Moses went out, and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong. He said, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, well, who made you ruler and judge over us? Who are you to control me? Who are you to tell me what to do? What right do you have to do this in my life? And then he says, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And when Moses hears that, he's terrified, right? He thought he had covered it up. Thought he should have buried that guy a little bit deeper, right? <laughs> thought he had covered it up. But they found out. And Moses leaves Egypt, and he flees into the desert. And because of his desire to control his situation, to control his people, to take things in his timing, trusting his plans rather than God's promises, he spends the next 40 years in exile, running for his life, waiting for something that God had called him to do. That happens when we control situations. Now, it's likely that there's not many of you here that are on the run from the law because you've killed someone. Um, If you have, I'd love for you to come see me after service. Uh, We've got a team of people that would love to help you. Uh, They are the police department. They would love to meet you, right? Go ahead and fill out a connection card and drop that in the plate, right? And we will follow up with you. But it's also likely that there's a lot of you that are struggling in some perhaps more minor ways, but are perhaps still very significant. Like maybe for you, you've got grown kids at home, and they're like 35 years old, but you're still calling them up every night to make sure they brush their teeth, right? That's that, that, uh, mom. You got to let it go, right? It's 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 good. They're 35. They've got it. Maybe for you, you've got you've got younger kids at home, and and some boundaries and and some direction is obviously very important. And I know we wouldn't have any of these here, but at other churches, there's people like this or on the podcast, and so uh, uh, people that that we would call helicopter parents, right? People that for their kids everything has to be. Perfect. Perfect hair and perfect face and perfect makeup. Unless you're a boy, then you're a perfect athlete, right? Or you got perfect pencils or whatever and you got perfect outfits. You got perfect everything in your life because your life has to be perfect lived through your kids and you're trying to control every situation that they get themselves into. Or maybe it's a lot more serious. Maybe you're trying to control a spouse. And, and maybe for you, you're at a place where, where you just think, well, if my wife would just take better care of the house or if you just take better care of the kids, then my life would be great. Or if my husband would just go out and get a better job or just make a little bit more money, then my life would be great. And you try to control your spouse trying to get the upper hand in your relationship. Maybe for you, it's just a bunch of little things. And if you go through your life looking at things that you're trying to control, you'd realize how desperate you are to control people and things around you. Uh, maybe for you, it's the coworker that's always running just a little bit late Maybe for you, it's your neighbor that needs to mow his grass, right? That guy needs to get out there and mow his grass because it's much too long. Maybe for you, it's, the, it's the, the restaurant where the service is just a little bit too slow. And you turn to your wife and you say, I thought this place was fast food. Close this fast food. It should be slow food. That's what they should call this place, right? And we, we, I control them, try to get them going faster. Uh, maybe, maybe for you, you, just, you find yourself in a spot where, 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 where you're in this crowded parking lot, right? And, and you, you finally find an open spot. But what happens? The guy in, one, in the spot next to it has just parked his wheels right over the line, right? Has Anybody ever been there, right, where he just parked his wheels right over the line? And, and let me tell you, if that is you, if you are that person, I'm watching you <laughs> and I want to control you. I want to control your truck. I want to control your car. I want to control your van. Whatever it is that you're trying to park because you got to park in one spot, right? And these things add up and we go through our lives constantly saying to ourselves, if the people around us would just do what I want them to do, my life would be great. We try to control situations and we try to control people. So the question this morning is what is it you're trying to control? What is it you're trying to control? In fact, I'd encourage you even to take the next step to, to grab a bulletin or a piece of paper or your phone if you're taking notes there and actually write it down. What is it in your life that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart? You're saying, you're trying to control. You're trying to control. You're trusting in your plans, your purposes, more than in God's promises. What are you trying to control? Because here's the secret. What you control reveals what you fear. What you control reveals what you fear. Think about it. Uh, Maybe you're trying to control your kids because you're afraid what might happen if they fail. Maybe you're trying to control a spouse because you're afraid what might happen if they don't meet your needs. Maybe you're trying to control in your workplace because you're afraid what might happen if you miss that deadline or that next promotion or that next raise. Maybe for you, you've got this unhealthy sense of control over your money, right? How much your husband needs to be making, how much your wife should be spending because you have this fear of financial insecurity. What if we don't have enough? Maybe for you, you're trying to control your image, you're trying to control what people see, what they know about you, what, you're, what you allow them to see behind the curtain because you're afraid what might happen if they knew the real you. What are you trying to control? Because what you control reveals what you fear. So what are we going to do? God's word gives us a path to freedom. God's word gives us two really simple steps And I say simple because they're easy to understand, but they are so difficult to implement unless you're radically committed to letting go of control. What are they? If you're taking notes, the first is this. God's word teaches us that if we are going to let go of control, we have to start by releasing our fear. We have to release our fear. You say, well, why would I do that? Because it doesn't serve any purpose. Your fear has no value. Your fear doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. Your fear doesn't actually get you any closer to controlling that thing. It actually only makes it worse. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. He says this. He says this. Therefore, I tell you. He says, do not, say it with me, do not worry about what? Your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For who of you by, say it with me, by... Worrying can add a single hour to your life. Since you cannot do this what? This very little thing. He says, why do you worry about all the rest? Who of you by worrying, he says, can add a single hour to your life? And if you cannot do that very little thing, he says, then don't worry about all the rest. What Jesus says in effect is is control is exacerbated by fear. Fear. When control and fear get together, they create this vicious cycle that is so difficult to break out of because what we control reveals what we fear, and the more we fear, the more we try to control, and the more we try to control, the more we fear losing control, and it is this spiral, it is this vortex that goes down and down and down into a lifelessness of fear, anxiety, and worry. What Jesus says is, you got to let that go. you got to let that go. Because what you control reveals what you fear. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus teaches us this, that the things that you try to control are ultimately the things that will control you. The things that you try to control are ultimately the things that will control you. Because you're so afraid and you're so anxious And you're so worried that it literally consumes your life. The things you try to control are the things that control you. So what we release determines what we're able to receive. So Jesus says, release your fear. And then secondly, if you're taking notes, when we release our fear, what do we get in return? We receive his peace. We receive his peace. He says, "Release your fear and then receive his peace." Look what Paul says in Philippians uh, chapter 4 beginning of verse 6. He says this. He says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, he says what? He says, "Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." He says, don't be anxious about anything because when you let it go, you actually receive his peace. The things that you try to control become the things that control you, but you have to let it go. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've just so desperately tried to control a certain part of your life, a certain part of your your family, a certain part of your your, your life situation. A couple uh, weeks ago, Simone and I were down uh, getting a checkup uh, on our baby that's due in December. Uh, By the way, have we announced that it is a girl? Have we announced that yet? Thanks be to God. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, So Simone is really excited. I'm really excited (laughs) and terrified all at the same time. It's going to be awesome. So please pray for me because I am already not in control of that situation. And so we went and we got a uh, checkup for the baby and Lucas was with us. And I, I don't know how it is in your family, but for my family growing up, control of our image was a really big thing, right? We always wanted people to look at us, and we needed to look like we have our act together, right? And it looked like things are good. And so control image. What I've realized is that having a three-year-old son, uh, you can forget that, right? (laughs) You forget controlling your image because he's going to blow it up. And so we were at the office, and we were uh, there at the checkup, and the first lady, the first nurse comes in, and she starts doing vital signs on Simone, and she tries to strike up a conversation with Lucas, Hi, how are you? How old are you? What's your name? And Lucas was having none of it, right? I mean, none of it. He spent any time with my son. You know what I mean, right? Like he stares right through you like you don't exist. It's just this good thing. And so, of course, that wasn't working for me. And so I'm like, Lucas, say hi to the nice lady. Tell her your name. Tell her how old you are. No, no, not going to do it. So Lucas and I stepped out into the hallway and we had what we call a come to Jesus moment. And so we came to Jesus about it. And so I said, and and he has this little stuffed animal named uh, Shuffles or something. And so I grabbed Shuffles out of his hand and I said, Lucas, I said, if you ever want to see Shuffles alive again, (laughs) you will be nice to people when they talk to you. And you say, Pastor Andrew, did you just threaten a stuffed animal? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I did. I'm not proud of it, but yes, 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 I did, and so after much wailing and gnashing of of Lucas's teeth, right, he finally pulls it together, and and he says, okay, dad, I'll do it. I said, are you going to be nice? And He said, yes, I'll be nice to people, and so we walked back into the office, and by that time, the, the doctor, the nurse had left, and the doctor had come in, and so Lucas is like, the most friendly person in the world, right? Like giving her a big hug, right? High five. And she's like, what's this kid doing here? So, and he's staring at me and I've got shuffles and a headlock, right? Like, yeah, yeah, do it for shuffles, right? And so I'm like, I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, this is fantastic. I'm actually controlling my son. Somebody actually doesn't think I'm a horrible parent. This is really good. And so after the doctor left and we got our stuff and we were walking back down the hallway, I said, Lucas, you did a really nice job. And he did really good. I said, here's Shuffle's back. I said, did you like that nice lady? And right about that time, we were walking down the hallway, and we passed the room where that first nurse was, right? And so I said, did you like that nice lady? And Lucas saw that nurse, and he said, yes. He said, I liked that one. But then he pointed his finger at the lady. He said, but I still don't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, image destroyed. Yeah, and so with shuffles. So, yeah, maybe, just kidding, right? So- You can't control it, right? You can't control it. When you have a three-year-old, you can't control it. And what Jesus says is, he says, don't be anxious and don't be worried because the things you try to control ultimately become the things that control you. He says, what you control reveals what you fear. And if the things you try to control are the things that try to control you, you have got to let that go and you've got to receive my peace. Let that go and receive my peace. Paul says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. You see, you and I, we get so caught up in the what-ifs of life. What if I lose my job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if we can't have any kids? What if we have a daughter? Just kidding. <laughs> what if my kid gets a B? What if my boyfriend or my girlfriend breaks up with me? What if my spouse is un? faithful to me. And so many of us live our lives in this fear of the unknown, desperately trying to control things that we have no control over. And and Jesus says, let it go. Let it go. Because here's the ultimate principle. If you don't get anything else, take this with you. Here's what Jesus says. He teaches us that the more you need to control, the greater your fear. But the more you release control the greater your faith. The more you need to control, the greater your fear. But the more you're able to release control, the greater your faith. And this morning, I think it's pretty simple, y'all. I think it's pretty simple. I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to so many hearts this morning, and he's saying it's time to let go. It's time to let go. You can't do anything about it. You can't control it. And even if you could, I've got it anyway. You can trust me. You can let it go. Today, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart He's saying, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's go ahead and throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. And let's begin this morning by letting go of our need for control. Jesus, we come before you today. We need you. Set us free in this place. and Release it back to you. The heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. I really do believe that Jesus is speaking to so many hearts today. I believe he's saying to you today, it's your time to let go. It's your time to let go. You've held on to it for much too long you thought you could control it, you thought you could change it, you thought you could take care of it, but in fact, the thing that you tried to control has actually now become the thing that is controlling you. And the more you try to control, the greater your fear. But the more you release control, the greater your faith. And today, the Holy Spirit's speaking to your hearts, and He's saying, you're trying to control that situation. You're trying to control that situation. You're trying to control that, that thing at your job. You're trying to control that thing at your house. You're trying to control that person, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your parents, a coworker. And the fact of the matter is you can't control it. Trust me with it today. Trust me with your money. Trust me with your relationships. Trust me with your marriage. I've got this. I can take care of it. All I want is for you to let go because the things that you release determine the things that you're able to receive. And today there's somebody who says, I need to release my fear so that I can receive his peace. I'm so tired of living my life trying to be in control. And today I simply want to let go. If that's you this morning, would you lift up your hand right now where you sit? Thanks be to God. Hands up everywhere. Who else? This is your moment. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let it go. Thanks be to God. There's no need to control it any longer. Thanks be to God. Hands up everywhere. Jesus, you see our hands. Most importantly, you know our hearts. You know we don't want to hold on. You know there's no value to us. You know that even if we could, it wouldn't help because we can't take care of it. We just want to let go and let you work. Today, we release to you our fear. Today, we ask that we could receive your peace. Not anxious about anything. Not worried about anything. Because we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your Holy Spirit can take care of it. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being a good, good father to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. As we continue to pray, heads bowed and eyes closed, there are some of you here this morning. The Holy Spirit has brought you to this place for a particular purpose. And you're about to make the biggest letting go of control decision that you have ever made in your life. And you're going to let go of control of yourself. And you're going to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You say, Andrew, why would I do that? Because what scripture teaches us is that all of us have sinned. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. And if all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. What that means is that I deserve death. I deserve separation. I I deserve an eternity apart from Him. And the truth of the matter is, as much as you might want to control it, as much as you might want to change that reality, there's nothing you can do about it. But there's someone who could. And His name was Jesus. He's the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, a perfect example in every way, died a spotless sacrifice for our sins on a cross. You say, well, why would he do something like that? He did it because he knew that everyone who called on his name could be saved. What Scripture says is that the one who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So what happens is, is that us whose lives are out of control, us who can't change our future, us who can't change our destiny, Jesus Christ came in, he said, I'll pay the price. I'll take care of it. You can't control it, but I can. What he asks in return that we give Him our lives, because what we release determines what we're able to receive. And today, He's standing in front of you, and He's saying, here's the exchange. Release your life, your sinfulness, your brokenness, your guilt, and your shame. And in return, I'll give you mine, my holiness, my righteousness, my perfection, my eternity. And there's some of you here today that the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to your heart and he's saying, don't miss this chance. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. Today is your day. Release control. Make that exchange. Don't hold back because the Holy Spirit is ready to do an incredible work of freedom in your life. What you try to control determines what you're fearing, but the Holy Spirit is saying, let go and let me take control of your life. And today, you'd say, that's my prayer. That's what I need I need a savior, I need forgiveness, I need hope, I need new life, I need an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. I release my life so I can receive his. If that is your prayer today, would you lift your hand high right now, all over the sanctuary? Thanks be to God. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. Who else? Thank you, brother. Thank you, God. I release my life. Who else? Who else? I see you in the back there. Thank you, sister. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Who else? I release my life. I release my life. Thank you, sister. Thanks be to God for you. I release my life so I can have his. Thank you, sister. I see you in the back. Thanks be to God. I release it to you. Anyone else? This is your chance. It's the best exchange ever given in the history of mankind. (laughs) Give up my life and I get his back. Anyone else this morning? Thanks be to God. Everyone, let's pray together. Nobody prays alone. Pray alongside your neighbor. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I need your forgiveness. I need your life. You died so I could be forgiven. You rose so I could be set free. I give you my life. Now give me yours that I may be clean, that I may be holy, That I may be righteous, just like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Church, can you celebrate with me as new life brought into the kingdom of God this morning.